Welcome to Collision Cast, Fenderbender's official podcast, helping collision repair shop operators make money, save money, and work smarter. I'm Paul Hodwanek, staff writer for Fenderbender. Today we've got a really great podcast for you. It's with Matt Ebert, CEO of Crash Champions. I'm going to intro him again here in a sec. We had a great conversation about MSOs, about Crash Champions, their evolution. I think you're really, really going to like this one. So uh, I'll intro him again here in a second, but without further ado, here is Matt. I've got Matt Ebert here, the CEO of Crash Champions, with me uh, today to talk a little bit about uh, the growing, you know, trend of MSOs and the the consolidation of the business and what that kind of means on a shop to shop basis with your employee relations, and just to talk to Matt a little bit more about everything that they're doing at Crash Champions as well. So, how you doing today? Good, Paul. Thanks. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is when initially we kind of reached out, uh, was talking a little bit about, okay, so these emerging national MSOs are happening. All this change is happening for operators. Maybe a mom and pop shop is coming into the fold with a larger MSO or they're getting bought outright and the people are staying. And so I guess from your perspective, as you're growing from a single shop that you had now to, to many, uh, what trends are you seeing, um, from your shop and from just MSOs as a whole, as things start to become consolidated? Are there some things that are really changing about either operationally or with your employees, things that you're noticing as things, you know, kind of start to tighten up in terms of who's owning everything? So from an, from an employee perspective, um, I don't know so much about as an industry much changing. There's definitely a lot of lessons that we've learned along the way and tried to incorporate as we, as we do it bigger and faster. So um, for us, it's a lot of the, the messaging and the timing. I used to, as an example, sellers would be nervous about letting their people know what was happening. Uh, it would be a last minute kind of bring them in and let them know what was going on, kind of a play. And it, it really was never, never that good. It, the employees almost feel betrayed that they, they weren't told earlier. Um, sometimes as much as you try for it not to get out, uh, sometimes the rumor mill churns, whether it's true or false. So people start to have an idea something's happening and when they're left in the dark, it leads to bad feelings. So really we've, we've learned that the sooner we bring the employees into the, to the conversation, the better. Um, so I don't know if that's kind of an industry change as you asked about, but definitely for the way that we go about it when it comes to the, the employees at, at the shops is we try to get them involved sooner rather than later, um, gets them much more comfortable before the, before the actual closing happens. Yeah. So you're, you're coming in, taking over an existing business and those employees are most likely going to stay. I'm not sure how you're doing it for every shop, but what, other than telling them right away, what things are you trying to do to get them comfortable to make sure that they know, okay, maybe I worked for just one owner who's owned the shop for a really long time now and part of a national brand. Uh, how, how is this going to go? Are there, th- are there strategies that you've tried to employ to make sure that they feel comfortable with you guys other than just, you know, telling them right away and not kind of being that company that swoops in right at the last second and says, okay, now you're part of this. Like what, what other things are you trying to do to you know get them comfortable yeah so so there's several things um 
first we have the conversation about their pay and benefits. Um, that's, you know, question number one, usually for people, uh, they're, they're concerned how they're going to be compensated, want to make sure they're not going to go backwards. So those are easy conversations to have to get them comfortable uh, with the, the key is you have to make the time to have them. If, if they have a bunch of unanswered questions, it usually leads to them, you know, being nervous about uh, what's going to happen. So we try to answer those questions as soon as possible after we announce, sit down with them individually, uh, send somebody from HR to kind of talk through their comp and benefits and, and get them comfortable with that. Um, the second thing, I guess, for lack of a better word, you want them to, to like you. You want them to, you know, you work for companies that you like, you work for people that um, you respect. And so a little bit is spending time letting them get to know us. Um, coming from really small to getting a little bit large now pretty quickly, um, not everybody knows who we are. So if, if it's a new market for us where we haven't been, um, they might not have heard of us yet or know much about us. So um, we take the opportunity to go in and introduce ourselves, let them know uh, what we're about um, and usually try to create some excitement about it. So there's some things that make us a little bit uh, different than some of the other larger companies. Uh, many um, shop owners involved besides me. So we have a lot of uh, shop owners that are continued ownership in the company. Um, that usually goes a long way from a perspective of technicians and em employees. Uh, they know that we know what the shop operation looks like, how it feels. Um, we're not a, a bunch of, I mean, they use the term corporate for lack of a better way of saying it. So we're not a bunch of corporate guys coming in with a bunch of things that might not make sense to them. We let them know, heck, I've actually even fixed cars in the past, started working on cars when I was 16. So very much understand what their day-to-day -day looks like. Um, it's a small detail, but it matters in the eyes of a, of, uh, a tech or somebody who's dealing with fixing cars every day um, rather than running a, a big business enterprise. We want them to very clearly know we understand their day-to-day their -day, um, situation, uh, good and bad. And when you come in, I'm sure you've got, you guys as Crash Champions have a set of procedures and processes that you want to instill. And I'm sure a lot of times those probably differ from what maybe they were doing beforehand. How much are you, what does that transition look like? Because I'm sure you probably want them operating on what you guys want to do, but you probably don't want to force them over to something that they haven't done a ton of right away. So are, are, do you let them kind of work how they were working or are you pushing your, your stuff? How does that kind of push and pull work, work with you guys when you go into it and, and kind of expand into an, a new spot? Yeah. So we're, we're very transparent. Um, so try not to ever mislead, let them know there will be change. Um, but, it, but it'd be gradual. Um, change from their perspective is different. It might seem like a small thing to us, but it's a big deal to them. So we're careful to let them know that there is gonna be some changes because moving a stapler, as a small example, is a change. It doesn't really affect much, but it is a change. So um, we let them know that there will be some change, hopefully for the better in, in all cases, uh, but it'll be gradual. So day one, you don't have to go in and change the world. If they're not using, you know, we use CCC as our management system 
uh, as an example. So if they're using a different management system, that's something that we, we changed day one because um, we needed in order to integrate our reporting and things like that. There's other things as far as how they blueprint a car and check one in and those type of things. Those can wait. They don't have to be um, day one conversations. And, and two, we try to allow some flexibility. There's some things in our, our playbook that are must do's. And there's a lot of things that we try to give them boundaries. So really we empower uh, the local management to, to run the shop the way that they know how with, with, you know, some, with a handful of things that we have to have them do. Otherwise we try to leave them alone and let them know what they know how to do. Awesome. I, I think it'd be helpful. I, I, I know you're in seven or eight States, I think at this point, take me yeah. through a little bit of the background of crash champions. I know you started in Chicago um, or around Chicago with one, one shop and have expanded from there. So kind of take me through the, the background of, of the company and, and how it's gotten to this point. Sure. Um, you know, I, I had one shop with a partner in Illinois since 1999. And um, my partner was a little bit older than me, more headed kind of out the door, so to speak, from a retirement standpoint. So just kind of needed to get to a point to where he was ready to uh, retire and uh, I give me a number to, to, to buy him out. So that took until 2014. So 2014, is really when I rebranded as Crash Champions and, and started to grow it. I grew to about eight shops in um, 2019 and ended up taking on the private equity investor to, to grow it more. When those conversations started happening, there's a big story behind that. I don't know how much you want me to get into it, but I, I can cover as much or little as you want, but really, the, I, I had grown as much as I could through uh, SBA financing and things like that to what was seven shops in uh, growing to eight at the end of 2018. And then in 2019, I had the eighth one coming. And then later in the year, I had three more lined up uh, to come on. So I went to an investment banker looking for uh, mez mezzanine financing or some sort of mechanism to finance those three shops that would have taken me to 11. And uh, they encouraged me to look at the private equity market, keep my options open and see what would be best. And really kind of seeing the way the industry was headed when industries consolidate, they'll consolidate up to about 65%. At that time, the collision industry was somewhere in the, the 20s, right? So um, when they're the storm of kind of the next phase of consolidation kind of looked to be here to me, talking about in the at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, because when you factor in the complexity of vehicles, uh, what's needed to invest in the equipment and training to keep up with uh, the vehicles today, looking at the interest in investment money at the industry because they view it as relatively uh, recession resilient obviously not COVID resilient as we've seen, but recession resilient. So with a lot of investment interest in the industry, the advancement in the industry, it seemed to me that the consolidation was really gonna ramp. Um, and I think we see that today, it, it's kind of a second wave of speed. And so I kind of felt that 
if I went slower and did, did it on my own at just a few shops a year, I would miss out on a lot of opportunity that, that would come in the next five years or so. And so that's the reason went the route that I went, made sure that the investor was on board with the way I wanted to grow the company. Uh, we, we very much invest in each of the facilities. We want to give the guys the equipment that they need and the training that they need so that they're able to uh, fix cars well, so that they're able to uh, earn their maximum income potential too. So that's very much part of the Crash Champions uh, kind of elevator speech for the employees of what we're, we're trying to do. Um, we wanna make sure that they have what they need to be successful as well. So um, the other thing too with uh, wanting to grow faster is wanted to make sure to create the opportunity for the employees for them to advance. So when, when I was smaller, if, uh, if a service advisor, as an example, wanted to become a GM, he would have to wait for me to open another location and wait for me to open another location that didn't already have a good manager in it. Um, and so really part of the growth is to make sure that people that work for us and with us can see their own way to whatever goals they might set. Um, at this kind of a pace, GMs can become directors. Directors see a path to go to go bigger too. Whereas when I was smaller, I, I couldn't quite create all that opportunity for for people. Awesome, Matt. Well, I think I think that covers everything that I wanted to cover. Um, I appreciate you joining me today, and and thank you for your time. All right, thank you.